Welcome to the Dynamax Podcast, Maine's premier powerlifting and strength sports podcast. From studios in Westbrook, Maine, with your hosts, Matt Israelson and Matt Strong. All right, everyone, it's episode number 30. Uh, hard to believe, I'm at 30 weeks straight of podcast, podcast without missing. 30 Wednesdays. 30 Wednesdays. We tried a Saturday, it fell apart, so <laughs> we went back to Wednesdays. But anyway, we've got the two meets coming up. March 10th is the women's, the second annual. It's full, but be here anyway if you want to come see some really good lifting. In the gym at Dynamax. 120 Main Street, Westbrook. Yes, and May 12th is the Maine State Powerlifting Championships, 120 Stroudwater Street in Westbrook. That's the Armory. Yes. Watch online for entries. If you haven't entered, the entries will be up really soon. That's going to be a good one. Yes. Single-day meet. It's a single-day meet. We're going to run it and get out of there. That's awesome. we got a guest. Who is it? we got a guest. It's someone you've probably seen around the gym. His name's Carson Wood. What's going on, Carson? (laughs) Oh, you know, it's a winter day in Maine, I guess. Yeah, we got a doozy coming tomorrow. Yep. Natty, uh... Uh, called me today. Yeah, let me. I want to. I want to. I've got a question right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. I had to call him to confirm this and a couple other points of business and so forth. I trained his wife, Kathy. You know, yep. Et cetera. Super strong. Yeah, and he's intimated that I don't miss any meals, and I just wondered how he knew that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Is somebody saying something about me that I don't? I, I, I think there, there might be some rumors around the gym that you, uh, you probably aren't necessarily uh, like a light feather. All right. Or, you know. I just was curious. I just wanted to get that out of the way right off. So he knows that you're not missing meals? Uh, he said, I heard you haven't missed many meals, right? I understand you don't. <laughs> He's on point with his nutrition. Yes, he is. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. All right. We got that out of the way. Yeah. Um, so, Carson, you've been... Uh, let's, I want to talk about your, your fitness, your fitness background a little bit. Okay. Um, you've been lifting weights for a long time, I understand. I have. When did that start? Oh, I, I was thinking about this today, that, and I knew you'd probably ask this question. And probably around 1971, uh, we used to get Sears and Robot catalogs. And, and I would always look through the Sears and Robot catalogs, and, and I would see these people that were models weightlifting and holding weights and if I'm going to be brutally honest even at 10 years old the women were beautiful <laughs> and I, I said wow if I lift weights then maybe these kind of women are going to hang around <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> all it takes for a lot of people whatever the incentive is yeah. right? but that was the first incentive and then my father and I used to watch the wide world of sports and probably a lot of the younger people don't remember the wide world of sports right, but no it idea what was that, is. that was a big thing every Saturday right yep yep and it was fantastic. They had everything on there. And they had a guy from the Eastern Bloc, probably Russia, named Alexia. He was and, Russian. And he could, he, he was an Olympic lifter, and this guy could, he could throw all kinds of weight right over his head. Would you agree he's probably the only Olympic lifter everybody could have named? I think so. What was it? Vasily Alexiev. Everybody knew him. He was one of the... He was, a, he was a hero. He was one of the strongest people I ever saw. Well, he's, I think he still has the... Um, the, the the jerk, I believe, uh-huh. I have five sixty, but I don't, don't don't quote me. So I started uh, telling my parents that I wanted some weights, and my father thought I wanted to pick weights like him and drop them on the floor. So <laughs> so they got me this little bench, and you know that wasn't much, but um, my my bringing up was in the country, and we burned wood, and you know we'd go in the woods, 
And my grandfather had one of these old-fashioned saws that they called a man killer, and he'd saw the wood into, into uh, stove length. And my father and I'd go, and, and I'd load the trailer with that wood, and I, you know, I was young. And it was, it was pretty hard work. And then we'd, spl we'd split it by hand, and I'd have to lug it a long ways. And, and, uh, and there was a lot of snow shoveling. There was a lot of lawn mowing. And, and you know, it, there was a lot of physical activity. So, so the base was a lot around just labor. Just, that, was the, that was the initial base. Yeah. And then uh, in 1975, um, one of the neighbor kids had weights. And he, he, somebody had given him some iron weights. And it was 135 pounds. And it was the one inch weights. And he never, this kid never was going to be a weightlifter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't have it. And uh, I said, I will buy those weights. And, and I'd been mowing lawns, and I gave him $11. <laughs> and he gave me 135 pounds of weight. That is the start. That's the start. Are these the Sears weights that are? No, they were better. These were metal weights. Those ones are those plastic ones. The plastic ones? I never, I never. the case with plastic? Yeah. I never owned one. I oh. had a set of those, and I go from my... Dad, it was probably lifting around the same time. Mm -hmm. And whenever you do flies or chest press, you hit the bar, the, the pin them together, you get dust in your eyes. Mm -hmm. It was awful. <laughs> they, were, they were falling apart slowly. That's right. Yeah. So you got the $11, 135-pound set. And that began the journey? It did. I, I'd go out on the lawn. I had no idea what I was doing. And I'd go out on the lawn, and I'd invent any exercise that I could do yeah. with these weights. Yeah. And then back in those days, uh, uh, my grandmother was born in 1900. And, and it, this is funny, I was thinking about it. Uh, she'd uh, say, weightlifting's gonna wear out your heart. <laughs> and, and, and it was real funny, nobody ever said that lifting wood, or shoveling snow, or mowing, that, that wasn't gonna wear out your heart, yeah. but, but if, you, uh, if, you, if you lifted some weights, it was gonna, so. Interesting. <laughs> well, so, it didn't make sense to people that, that had to work, that you wanted to do more work, I think. That, that's, sure that, that's really what it was, is because those people had just got done, they just got out of the 1930s. With the and Depression. The Depression, and they were working everything by hand. Yeah. They, they Probably, uh, you know, 18 hours a day. They the last thing that you think about is... I think I'll do some more work. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll do some cleans. But this will be for fun. Right. Yeah. Right. They, they, they didn't think like they thought, that. They thought we were crazy. I'm sure. And but back then, you could see people, these old guys, bend over. And yeah. it, it, today, a 60-year-old person is a lot younger than back then. They were, they, they were really beat up. And I suppose that was the reason. So I went along with that and, and my lugging wood. And, you know, I basically kept the weights in my room. And I would use them when I was back at the house. And, and you know, I, I would use the weights. And then in 84, when I uh, went to work in the stainless steel fabrication shop, um, I met somebody that um, had worked out with Matt actually originally, but oh, yeah. I'm a, and his name was Lovering, and he he oh. worked out in this place called the Iron Den. Oh yeah. But I, I'm going to backtrack here a little bit okay. uh, um, because in 1979 we moved from the country to Westbrook. I was going to ask you where this was all. Where was the country at the time? Standish. Okay. And then uh, in '79 we moved to Westbrook. And, and you could get into that rec center like up until late at night. And, uh, well, that's we, where we met. Yeah. I was working there. He was working there, and he had that other room. They let me open a gym. A gym they let me put it. They called it a gym. but you, The power. is your little power lifting. It was called the Iron Den. It was called the Iron Den. That was, my, I guess, my first gym. 
<laughs> but it was a little hole in the wall under the tower of the old Westbrook High School. Yeah, I think they gave me a budget of like three hundred and ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> The stuff was old in there, but you could do workouts in there. Yeah, you could. And, and I would go in there in 79 and, and work out, you know, and then along with uh, what I had of weights. And I was always walking. And uh, so anyway, I get back to in 1984. This, this other guy uh, had been lifting weights there, and he said, well, you want to get together and lift some weights? So he had a bench that he made at the shop, mm -hmm. and he brought it over to my house, and, and I... Uh, um, had a squat rack built and we had this workout. It was sort of like a um, probably uh, one of these kind of workouts where you do one thing and go to the other and go to the circuit other. Or something. Yeah. A circuit, now? circuit so, Yeah, that's it was like that. And then, you know, I did that for a long time. My father would say to me, he said, You know something, you you're really that's changing you And then uh, him and I had kind of a falling out and and I ended up buying a bench of my own and buying most of his weight, weights back from him. And I spent, from that time on, I spent 13 years in, in basements lifting. And by yourself? I, by myself. I would come home and I, I had three hard workout days and two, you know, a little less. And I, and I made sure that it was, a, it was a, you know, it was part of my job. I came home. And I'd say to my father, I'd say, I'm going right downstairs, and I'm going to be lifting. I'm going to be down here for two hours. Yeah. And, and I was. And I did that until I moved into my other house. And I, I, I had to take a year off because I didn't have the solid dug out. <laughs> so with a pickaxe and a shovel and a tractor, I dug a foundation and poured a cement floor. And, and I, I put my gym down there. Cool. Now, yeah, That's a good story. That's badass. Yeah. And, uh, so prior to... Um, going where Maddie was working out in 85. You Were you always working out by yourself? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Did the concept of working out with someone else seem strange, or was it just no one else that was available? I didn't really know all the real ins and outs. Right. So this is somebody that had trained with somebody that knew kind of, you know, a little bit about it and about different exercises and stuff. And then um, I did that up until 1997. And Kathy and I went across country in uh, in 1997, and she said, uh, "When we get back, I'll drop you off at that gym, which was World Gym down the road." Was that the same World Gym? No, no. it's over here where the Goodwill is now. There was a very nice gym there, right by the exit. Yep, called World Gym. So and that was your first place you actually went to, right? That was my first uh, yeah, commercial. Other than your little place, there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that that was. I actually forgot about that till he just said it. <laughs> and then. Uh, I went, you know, she would drop me off and I'd walk home. And I, I spent a lot of years going there and, and uh, uh, I learned a lot there. I had a couple pot, weightlifting partners and um, my, I, I, I uh, you know, they, they had problems there. I went over to Lifestyle for a while and then I, and then I came back and, and they changed hands and Maddie had a, a room out back there that was the power lifting room and I think we went through this on one of the podcasts I, I, invested, the, I invested in the place right they gave you a little corner out back where they the, built a added a room on but it didn't work, that didn't work out they got so they they didn't like my heavy lifting he, he gave me he, the owner browbeat me because I was doing what I always did and and I really got kind of mad and then the next thing I knew uh, Maddie and all the people that were there had gone up to Lewiston for a while well, they had a fire in there. 
Right. That's when we went to, I think all of us went to Lifestyle. They went to Lifestyle. We were going up with Scott and Lewiston for three months, I think. Blanchard? Yeah, Ross, Scott. Yeah. They had a gym up there. So it wasn't long before this place opened up, and I caught wind of it. It takes you to 2004. That okay. takes us to 2004, yep. And that's when I opened this place, March. And I came in August of that year here, so I'm I'm not a charter member, but I'm pretty You're close. Pretty, close. Pretty, damn close. pretty damn close. If I'd known about it, probably in the beginning, I would have been. Yep. You know, but uh, so I started in here, and uh, um, and I've been here ever since. And damn but, right. But I've uh, kind of wanted to go in a little bit of my philosophy because let's see, yeah. Um, you know. One thing I wanted to talk about is, is I did my first powerlifting meet. I wanted to make sure we touched on that. When I was 51 years old in 2012. And how that came about is one of my friends, my, my friend Beth's husband, Howie, wouldn't drive. He had anxiety about driving. And uh, he had a daughter that was down at the University of New Hampshire. And him and I became really good friends. And uh, I, I've always, I don't really like doing things out in public much uh, you know I talk I can talk well and I can speak well and but really I'm not a I'm not a show-off in any way and I said to him I said you know something I've always kind of wanted to do a powerlifting meet but I'm not really big on being on on stage, on stage right so I said and I do have a degree of anxiety and I said if you will drive I, I will do a pow I'll do a powerlifting meet even though I'm I've never done it, and I have a little bit of stage fright and some anxiety. I said, I'll, I'll do this meet if you'll drive. And he said, it's a deal. So um, I'd never done any kind of meet. And, and at that time, you know, I was older. And, you know, we I trained a little bit here with the guys at night. That's right. And He, uh, he, he joined one of the groups for a while. And uh, Previous to that meet, right? Previous to that meet. Yeah. Kind of learned it. and. And I, I, I've never been an equipment lifter ever. Right. No, he did raw. I did a raw. A Have raw you done meet. two meets? I've done two APF meets and like yeah. three of the Christmas meets. He's a true power lifter. And uh, um, anyway, uh, my friend drove, and later that year, um, he he'd got sick, and he, and he was sicker than we knew, and he died of cancer. He, uh, the cancer went all through him into his brain and lungs, and but I was really happy that that you know he kept up his part of the bargain he got in the car and he drove down to University of New Hampshire to visit his daughter and, and uh, but that's what's that's what got me to compete and uh, you, both, you guys both had to get out of your comfort zones and you guys did it together yep, yep. that's awesome that is I didn't I didn't know that part of the story so uh, that's a good story so uh, but my my real philosophy and it was back in the days of world gym is uh, um, it, it's a little complex, uh, and a lot of it, uh, there's a lot of reasons that I won't go into, but um, there's bodybuilding and there's powerlifting. Powerlifting is trying to lift as much weight as you can in three different exercises, and bodybuilding is, you know, fairly light weights and, you know, doing more reps. Well, I had this theory that, and, and I like doing this even now, is... Uh, to sort of uh, bodybuild, but do it with excessive amounts of weight, and and try to be superhuman. It sounds crazy, but I would go over to that that place over there, and every Friday 
I would warm up with with a set, you know, two sets of eight, and it'd be 225, 315, and then I would do six sets of eight with 405, and that, that's 48 reps of, of deadlifts with 405, and and uh, and, and I loved it. And, and I, I mean, it <laughs> oh, jacked some volume on your that's it. back there, yeah. and uh, and then I I would squat like that, and it, but not not quite as the squat never, you know, you can't quite do that with squats but I could do a set of eight with 405 below parallel and I was a young man and uh, that's one of the things that as the year turned that I said to myself you know you've been in here talking about what you used to do when you were young well I'm not young anymore and and but I'm not I, I've come to the conclusion and I don't believe in resolutions but that no more about the past you know that was then um, good way to look at it and now I'm looking at what I am now, and I'm I'm gonna kind of go back to, you know, that original goal. Other than my squatting, I like Maddie here trains me in squatting. I love what we do, and I'm just gonna keep that just the way it is. But my deadlift routine and some of my other routines that I do um, is gonna be that, you know, super endurance workout. Yeah, it's like kind of power building almost. A little a little mix of both of them. What I found one of the things that 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 I found that that's an issue with me is I don't have an in-between. You know, there's, there's lifting on the nerve uh, all out, uh, um, maxing out, max out wild. Um, but then there's, uh, you know, just walking up to the weight. If I just walk up to the weight, I don't have a real good in-between. You know, I can't get a little mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to make sure that you're under a real load to get the stimulus you're looking for in your body. But it, it's sort of like, hydraulic fluid unless I get revved up I don't have this hydraulic fluid and and when I'm revved up I do um, it, it, it is something I discovered recently you know I'm trying to figure out what's this problem what's that problem I'm always analyzing how I lift and you know what is affecting you now in this way and and I've got to grab that hydraulic fluid and it, it's just a it's sort of like having uh, regular gas when you need high test and, and if you don't put in the high test you just you can only get like 70 percent right with right. the real capacity you got there right I, I think I'm probably for my age I'm probably plenty strong as anybody you can find it's just I got a you know I, I've got my injuries and my my war chest of things that I've gone through and Maddie can attest to those those uh, oh, yeah. you know, good though, yeah I think so we're 20 minutes into this and I think this is pretty this is pretty good but there's something that if you if you don't know who Carson is and you don't lift the Dynamax, or maybe you don't lift the Dynamax very often, uh, Carson can't see that well. Um, you're blind. I, for all intents and purposes, I'm blind. I, I have, well, 99% of people that are blind have residual vision. Okay. And it's sort of like, how strong is your arm? You know, how, if you see 10 people, how strong is your arm? Right? It's different. Everybody right. has a little bit, but I, I can't trust my vision. And I, you know, basically what I have is, is light vision. Shadows. Shadows. That's, I think that that's something that's important to for people who, who do live with you to understand is that you you can you can kind of see right like you've told me when I gave you a ride home the last time that you could kind of see my dashboard the inside of my car things along. Oh yeah, there's there's places that I can see, but when you talk to somebody that's sighted, what they think sighted means is that you read the chart perfectly, mm -hmm. and and when you're sitting in the car, you can see everything like a normal visual person. It's hard to to uh, explain to somebody that doesn't see how to grasp that concept unless you use uh, simulators. 
And a simulator is a set of glasses that demonstrates different types of blindness. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never heard of that. And we used them, uh, my O&M instructor, which is the person that teaches blind and visually impaired people how to use a white cane or a dog, mm -hmm. her and I, uh, we made films of me crossing the street. That's right. I remember that. And uh, um, we used simulators that we took to driver's ed classes and, mm -hmm. and we uh, showed the film as a driver's ed classes and, and I, her and I would go to the driver's ed classes and I'd tell my stories about how I used to be a driver and how some of the awful things that I did when I was driving. <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> and, and that's, that, that's the other thing I wanted to say is I started out having regular vision. Yeah, I think that's kind of something that, I think people are curious about it, you know? Uh -huh. I think it's a, a kind of a touchy subject. You know, you don't see someone with one arm and say, hey, what happened to this? Yeah. You know? Right. But I found, you know, um, that you're a nice enough guy to talk to and that I've asked you about it. Cause I, I got you fooled, don't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't know the very well. <laughs> Anyway, what, one of the things that really, uh, um, it was a sore spot because I, I, I would have been super athletic. And as a little leaguer, when I was 12, I lost the baseball in the sky. And it was embarrassing, and people didn't know what it is. Is that because this was setting in? Yes. Oh, I see. And, and, and I left. I got on my bike and left. Because, because it killed you. It killed me. And, and that was a real, it was a hard time because I liked playing ball. And I had an uncle that, that was in the minor leagues and, you know, and all that. And um, it was a sore spot. I couldn't play basketball, mm. you know, and all, the, all those things. So that, that was kind of a damper. That was a, a hard time. You know, that... When I, I always say is that I was more blind when I was younger and had more sight than I am now. Cause you, is it because it like you, held, you felt like it was holding you back more? I tried to hide it. I wouldn't go to school dances. I wouldn't do any of that stuff. Really? No. Because I didn't want anybody to see that. You can't stand You know. And, and, it, took until, and it took until 20 years ago to, to pick up the cane when I should have probably been using it in... Uh, 1982. Yeah, but you were still working up to a point, right? I was. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, in order to get a job back then, you had to hide any kind of vision problem. Right. There was no equal opportunity. There was no equal opportunities. And I went down to SD Warren, and the guy was going to hire me. But uh, the woman that took me, they they sent this, this letter that made me sound like I was about the worst person that ever existed. Right. You know? <laughs> then I went and got a job in a more dangerous place. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, stainless steel fabrication. What were you fabricating? We were making stainless steel piping and okay. uh, tanks. And the first three years I worked in an acid room where I would take pipe and put it on a table and take uh, three-phase mineral saws and saw the ends off so it was exactly 20 feet. Yep. Put it in bundles and pick it up with a crane and put it into an acid wash. Then you'd let it sit there and take it up and put it in a rinse and take it out and put it on a rack and I take these green pads and scrub the welds off and take a stencil afterwards when it was dried and stencil what it was. Schedule 10, 3 inch, whatever, whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, skid, four, skid 10, skid 5, 304L, 316L, you know. And uh, the crane was a crane that when you picked it up to pull the, the load down to the other tank, you had to do it manually. And you had to walk on this uh, 45 degree wooden path. Nice. So I was doing that, and at first they wouldn't let me drive the fork trucks because they, they figured out something was wrong, and then they found out what it was. But then they say, oh, this guy can work. And the other good point of it was is the actual supervisor of the place, my uncle, 
had hired when he was a kid at the Portland Company, and he knew that. So that was kind of a my my uncle was the was the boss of the Portland Company, and uh, but anyway, I spent ten years there, and in, in in that room, I was in there for three years, and I used the I used all the equipment. I used the face mask with the double. You know the double, double respirator, double respirator for cutting the pipe, and uh, you know all the things that I needed to use. And then, uh, of course, not using the fork truck, I used to push the carts by hand. And these were uh, there was a cement floor with uh, metal wheels. And some of these carts, are, one of the the twelve inch pipes, twenty feet long, weighed five hundred and fifty pounds. And I could get one of those carts started uh, with nine of them on it. I'd put my back up against it, and I'd get it moving, and I'd turn around and put my arms up against it and push it. That's where the weight training came in. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that was weight training in itself. Yeah, yeah. that's you've a developed plus like, theory. Thankfully you've been training anyway. Yeah. And then on that rack when I'd wash those pipe, I, I was using my forearms all the time. And you know, push it all the time, arms all the time. And uh, Gets you nice and veiny. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I graduated out of that room into onto the, the press brake. And it was a 20 foot long machine that had big rams on both sides and you would change the dies in different ways to make different size pipes and and uh, anyway the the biggest uh, sheet of steel that we that was flat uh, that we turned into a 14 inch pipe was 43 inches wide and almost a quarter inch thick so this uh, we'd have a table that would jack the the steel up to the level of the machine and I put down a template and mark it so we could have marks on both sides. And there was a guy on the other side. And I would take the end of my steel and I'd take the, the sides of it and I'd slam it onto the pallet. And it would kind of make a wrinkle down the whole thing and break it off in the other. And I'd shove it in the machine one side and, he, and hold it. And the other guy would take and shove it into the machine so that it would slide through the jaw into the back. And what, bend it? Well. What, it was a vice that I would operate with my foot. Oh yeah, and in the, the marks that I put on with the template, we would both follow on both sides and hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. Flat, and you're going. And, and each time you hit it, it would curl it up and curl it up and curl it up until it hit the front of the machine. I got you. I got you. But so then, it's now a cylinder. Right. Right. And we pull it out. I pull it out yep. and then do the same thing, mm -hmm. and then pop it, and then. We had to get it off the machine. Right. So we pick it up, put a roller How under it. How much did it weigh? 550 pounds. And, uh, and that was the biggest one. Yeah. A 14-inch axle deadlift, not yes. a 4-inch axle right. deadlift. Well, it, it, <laughs> I, I would put my hands under the end of it, yeah. and he'd shove it, in the, and I'd pick, get it on the roller, mm -hmm. and he'd push it, and I'd grab a hold of the seam and pull it out and pull it out. And it, I got repetitive motion injuries from Of course. It's heavy stuff. We did 4-inch, 6-inch. 8 inch, 10 inch, 12 inch, and 14. And the, the one I was talking about was 14. Yeah. And, That's a big ass pipe. And when the 8 inch ones, we could make 80 of them a day. But think about this if you're listening, folks. He's been on an APF platform in the New England Championships with no vision. You know, think about trying that, everybody. I don't know. There cannot be too many other people that have done that. No, 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 no. I know they have visually impaired meats. But this man went in an open meet. Yeah. Um, I think so. One thing that I'm thinking about as we're going through this is you got a damn good memory. Oh, he remembers everything. Um, My life has been a long and interesting road. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people wonder about people who have, you know, uh, 
impaired sense is that your other senses are heightened. Is that true for you? Well, it's a myth that anything, any of your senses are any better than anybody else's. You know, that, that's what, what the common myth is. It's like you hearing gets better. It doesn't get better. You just pay more attention to you it. practice it more, kind of? Well, you have, you have, you, you have to. to. Yeah. The, the choice is, is uh, you either live or go cry in a corner somewhere, and I don't think I'm going to cry in a corner. But, <laughs> but, uh, but truthfully, uh, uh, my vision has, has gone very, very slowly. And a lot of the people in the visually impaired community, which in Maine they claim there's uh, probably now 80,000 with uh, uncorrectable um, visual impairment. Oh, really? No kidding. You know, with the elderly population and everything. That's an estimate. Statistic. Well, we only have two million people, right? Yeah, well, right. I think it's only like a million. I was just gonna say that's like we have one million or two million here. I twelve percent. Yeah, it's twelve percent of the population. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and a lot of people don't know that, but yeah. but it's often been said that it, it's better for people to lose it all at once and you know learn, you know all the the ways. What do you say to that? I I wouldn't want to have done it. I wouldn't think so. No. I I like how I came up and 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 I'll go back to when I was a kid. My mother and father, you know, took me to the doctors uh, to find out what was going on, and that's when the doctor says, "You got retinitis pigmentosa. You're the first case I've ever seen." And he, you he remember was, the doctor said that, or an eye doctor? Doctor Saul Paulsner. He was an ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist. Yeah. He was one of the nicest men that you would ever meet, and uh, he, he uh, I thought a lot of him because he was gentle and he was, you know, he cared. And uh, then the state came because my mother and father. You know, they knew that I had trouble in school. Cause I'd start, I'd start seeing the blackboard in third grade. Right. <laughs> did you wear glasses to help? Did they give you glasses? They first? gave me glasses, but I didn't really. That wasn't what it was. Right. You know, my even now my cornea measures twenty twenty five, so I probably wouldn't wear glasses now. Right. But that's all they knew. You know. Test, I guess. Yeah, but he knew, and 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 what uh, I'll go back to what it really is the. The light receptors in the retina, the rods and the cones are diseased, so, so the, the light doesn't refract properly back. So it isn't that the magnification is the problem, it's that the actual eye projector isn't working correctly. Right, so that's super interesting to me. So I can't see, without my glasses on, I, I can't see past my elbows. I'm super nearsighted. Mm -hmm. So I have like, you know, 20, 100 vision or whatever. Right. But I can obviously, I can see colors fine. I can still see the shape of you. Mm -hmm. Right. I can't read, you know, what it says on the, the door there. Can you read right here? Barely. Really? Yeah. Um, so you don't, you have those for driving? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'd be able to see that the windshield was dirty. <laughs> that's about it. Um, but so you're saying that you have like 20, 20 vision, but the reflection doesn't work? Is that what it is? The, the, the. The projector inside, the, the actual eye projector that projects the light. The, the retina looks like one of those little mirrors on a, on a, on a truck mirror, one of those round mirrors. Yeah. Mine looks like it's been dropped. And, okay. Uh, so it's almost like you have the camera and the camera's in focus, but the, the, the lens in the back, there's no film kind of type of thing. Yeah, the film, the way my... Uh, film's not getting the, the light. The film is damaged. Yeah. That's, that's what it really comes down he to. He and I have a little, I don't know if it's an argument, I tell him they're going to conquer this. And he says no. Really? Yeah. Well, we don't argue about it, but I say, <laughs> I say it, and he says no. One of one of the things that you have to do in your life, if you have one of these significant uh, diseases like this, is you can't get up every morning and study the newspaper. No, I I agree with him on that. I just feel like they're going to get a hold of this. Well, they 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 recently I read an article where they were talking about one of the retinal diseases that mm -hmm. um, they're going to develop a genetic. Uh, 
um, way to, to, to deal with it, and it would mm -hmm. cost a million dollars. To do it? To do it. Oh. And, you know, I say, you know, I, I'll stay blind. Just give me the million dollars, and I'm yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it into ten million. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a brand. I'll go get my new retina. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll actually we'll have a brand new gem. Who yeah. cares about that? You, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But but you know you, you can't get up every day. No, I didn't mean that. I just. Oh, I know. I, I know you like didn't. But, but I wanted our listening public to understand that. Yeah. You know you don't you don't get up. I don't get up in the morning and say, oh geez, I'm blind. I, I'm still a regular person. I get up and I say, you know, I got to make the coffee. You know, and got to get to the gym. Got to get to the gym. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, um, how so? So, a question that I had somebody asked me to ask you was: Is nutrition difficult for you? Like eating properly, eating at the right time, having timing your meals—is that tough for you? No, <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he missed many meals. <laughs> I, I guess I I would want to ask you what. And I'm not saying this in an anger. But what do you mean by that? Well, I guess I just mean because you know. I think nutrition is obviously a big part of being healthy, staying yeah. strong, lifting, and as someone who can't see, that could be more difficult. Um, do you do you cook? I've been cooking since I was uh, 14 years old. So that's so it's just unchanged for you. What, what do you like? What's your go-to post-workout meal? How about that? What my favorite meal is? Yeah, I had I pretty I, fond of ribeye steaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he described it to me today. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so. So no, I, no issues with it though. Do, do getting your nutrition in. Like, this ever been a time where oh, I thought I had food, but now I actually did it. And because you can't drive to the grocery store. See, I've organized my life to 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 the point that you know all the things that somebody cited would think is like terrible. I it, it sort of doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. So you've just prepared so well that that doesn't happen. Is what you're saying. I've I've just. My life is just sort of what it is. It's that one of the biggest problems that I have now is getting around, and you know, there's cabs, and you know, they're doing this or doing that, and um, uh, just getting around. And I used to much slows him down. I used I used to walk a real lot. Um, like I said, I spent ten years walking from that other gym home, and uh, since the rise of cell phones, handheld electronics. Um, the the gap between my training, which is excellent, and uh, safety has gotten wider. You know, I would rather face somebody that that's been drinking, that's trying to act straight, that's looking at the road, than somebody that isn't looking at the a road. Texter a texter. Or a, he's had a couple of close calls. I can only imagine. I've had 21 close calls that I can I can name. One of them I got hit. In. They I don't even stop. Right? They don't even stop. Guy kept going. I get hit in a crosswalk in Westbrook. In Westbrook, in front of a car that had stopped when I was in a crosswalk, wearing a blaze orange vest, and a car came around and hit me diagonally in the rear end, and my my arm came down onto the car that was stopped. I slammed onto the hood, and you know the my life went in front of me. You know they say you see your life, you do, and that's the story I told up in front of the legislature. We we got the first. Uh, uh, distracted driver law, and you know, passed. But uh, um, it so a lot of that is kind of at this age deterred me from walking as much because you you get to the point where you say you know that that gap between what I know I'm doing and people being non you know non attentive 
um, it's gotten way wider. Oh yeah, I know a lot of a lot of people I work with are into cycling, and I, I it's been like exponentially worse on the amount of people that get hit, get ran off the road with that. The other thing that I'm seeing is there are people that don't care, and there's a lot more. Well, of the guy didn't even stop. No, he left. Yeah, he just took off. Yep. I'd like to get my hands on him. <laughs> Me too. I'm sure you would too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that day, yeah, he it probably was good for him. But he didn't stop. Did he, you know, well, if he would have stopped and helped you and apologized, that's another thing. But yeah, taking off. Like that. Yeah. But the first thing that happens, and I, I I explained this to the legislature. I said, you're in the crosswalk, and then you can sense something that's going to happen. You just feel it. Yeah. yeah. And then it does, and that slow motion thing happens. Right. It's like you all of a sudden you're there forever and you're seeing, thinking of all these things, and then you come to, mm. and you are angry. I bet. I mean, I was like. I'm angry just hearing it. I I I, I went off. I mean, really went off, and then I I got on the other side of the road and I I sat on the ground. I just sat down. Yeah, and cool off. And the guy that stopped, I said, "Did you did you get a license number?" He said, "No." Yeah, that's too bad. And I took out my cell phone and I called the police and. Uh, um, one of the cops I knew came, and he questioned around people, and nobody got a number or anything. But that's too bad, you know. And that and that happens a lot, you know. They see that you have a cane or something. That oh, you know, I can just drive off. Yeah. You know. Carson, do you have specific gym goals as far as you want to deadlift X amount of weight, uh, or is it more about how you feel? It's really more about how I feel. I, like I had said in more closer to the beginning of this uh, this interview was that. Um, I'm kind of going back to, you know, this superhuman strength thing, and that, that's probably a strong word for it, but it's, uh, I'm 56 years old, and, and, and I know I'm in pretty darn good shape, and I'm pretty strong for my age, and uh, I, I just, I see a lot of people that go to the gym, it's drudgery to them. Mm -hmm. To me, I love it. We love it, yeah. You know, it's something that, it's part of me. It's, you go to the gym two times a day sometimes, right? Altogether, uh, weight workouts. I do between five and six weight workouts a week, and I have had times that I've done seven cardio workouts. I don't do that now because I have a treadmill at home and I have a um, stationary bike. But I do dumbbell workouts, and yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm usually always doing something, and 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 I've learned what to do. So you know, you know. The phrase overtraining doesn't happen, but that that's kind of that's a, a thorny subject because it's it's really more technical to get into that. I'm 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 not overtraining, but uh, um, my, my if you're refueling with ribeyes. Oh, I eat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my my goal in my eating is to take in plenty of protein and try to be cautious about how much uh, um, sugar type things that I eat like. Pastries and that, and I'm, I never really cared about them too much anyway. Now before I got married, I, I never ate any of it, but uh, um, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good about that. But my, it, it's about feeling good, and it's about uh, keeping away the high blood pressure and keeping away the diabetes, which is, you know, there's some family traits there of that. Um, and I, I really, really, really enjoy the the workouts. It's it's just built into me. It's sort of like, uh, if I had to stop this right now and had to completely stop it, I I, it, I don't know what I'd do. You know, I, I'd be... Uh, so you're in the same, a lot of people wouldn't know what to do. It's, it's, what, it's what keep a lot of people going. 
Yes. This activity where it died up in. And, and I'll say also, I feel kind of well-rounded. When I picked up the computer in the 90s and started using computers, uh, uh, I said it on myself that I was going to self-educate my self-educate by reading and writing. And I learned to touch type by myself. Somebody told me about the F and the J in the home row. I taught myself to touch type and uh, now I use all speech software. But I, I did, I've done a lot of writing in the past. And um, my wife, has, she's uh, got into the Kindles and, and we have the Amazon Echo. And we read every night, we generally out in the living room until we fall asleep and read a book. That's awesome. You know, so... His wife, by the way, is probably pretty close to an American record in the deadlift. Gotta be. Yeah. I just thought I'd add that. She's, uh, she's really... She's actually a better deadlifter than I am, and she's been probably at it less time. Formula. She probably is, yeah. She probably is. But, uh, um, so, self-education is the rounded out part of it. Um, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life. I've done carpentry. I've worked at outboard uh, motor, uh, outboard marine places. I've had, uh, I've been a, an associate real estate broker, which uh, I was proud of, of that. I, I took a, the test and passed it, asking for extra time, and I had somebody read in the questions to me, and I did it within the uh, amount of time that everybody else does it, and I passed it the first time. So, Damn. So I wanted the gym owner of the other gym, uh, where we used to go over across the street here, he took the test three times and he couldn't pass it and he has eyesight. So, you know, I, I said, you know, I, I can learn and uh, I can do it well. And, uh, but public school, you know, it, it wasn't geared that way. Of course. You know, it just was, I always never liked it. But, uh, so Carson, I have a final question for you. It's a question that we asked in many of the other uh, podcasts, yeah. but we haven't asked it in a while. We haven't in a while, it's a tough one. What is something that you've learned in the last two years that you think everyone should know? Learned in the last two years? Yeah, or learned in the recent past. Hmm. I think that it's sort of a combination of things. It's a, um, you've got to believe in the positive things that you can do. Um, I always used to say when I was younger, um, you tell me to move that mountain and I'm going to take a, a hand shovel and a pickaxe if you want it moved two feet, I'm going to move it two feet. Because I, I used to um, really have uh, an attitude that, it, it, it's probably good that I don't have so much of that now, but I, I just had a can-do, I don't care. A will-do. A will-do, I don't care what it is. Um, I don't care if I have to fight, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm going to do what I have to do. But now in later years I've learned that I'm not as young and bulletproof as I was then. I can still be um, strong and I can still use some of the, some of the uh, drive that comes from that attitude, but I have to use my head too, instead of just going ahead and, and bullying into it and, and uh, you know, burn down the house and we'll take care of the details later. Um, so I, I think that with age, comes a little bit of wisdom, you know, that's probably cliche, but, but it is true. You, I think you become a better person when you get older. You realize the mistakes that you made, and, and, uh, and I feel bad about some of the things I did when I was younger, you know, and, and maybe some of that edge that I had that might have, uh, you know, 
treaded on some people and and I, and I think if I had one thing that uh, that I have of a regret that I that I wish is I wish that I treated people better and uh, and I did for the most part and I, I actually do have a good heart but but I had that edge and I think that edge might have gotten in the way of uh, you know what really the right thing and the the best thing for people was so I guess that that's probably what I've learned is that that I need to remember that that you know people matter and that you know um, I would like to treat them better. Well Carson this has been an exceptionally great interview. Thank you very much for do you have anything you'd like to add Manny? That was great yeah thank you. Thank you guys very much for asking yeah, me. Kind of fun on it. It was. Yeah. yeah. Damn right. All right. Well I gotta give this young gentleman will ride home because we happen to be neighbors. All right. Uh, Matty, the meets again? Women's, the women's meet right here at Dynamax, March 10th. Everybody be here. Uh, Main State Powerlifting Championships, May 12th, right at the Westbrook Armory, five minutes from here. And that's, the entries are going out. We're going to take 60 entries, so when you see them, get them out there and get them into us. That's right. Thank you all for listening. This has been episode 30. As we mentioned at the beginning, that's 30 weeks in a row. We're going to hit a year at least before we take a break. Oh, of course. Um, again, thank you all for listening. Find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. That helps. When you give us a review and leave us a rating, that makes it easier for other people to find the podcast. So it's important that you guys do it. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night.